Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. As Bob mentioned, we have Dr. Andrew Ellsworth in the studio today, ready to answer our medical questions. Dr. Ellsworth's specialty is family medicine. He works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. And joined today by... Hunter as well. Hunter, tell us a little bit more about yourself. How long are you going to be in Brookings? So at USD, so I'm just starting uh, my second year second here. Year, so okay. we uh, kind of at the beginning of our, so medical school is four years long, you know, and the first mm-hmm. year and a half at USD is basically classroom and book work stuff. And then the two and a half years after that is in the clinic. So I'm in my first three weeks of clinic basically and I get to spend it here in Brookings with Dr. Ellsworth. Excellent so this is yeah getting out of the classroom getting to see some real real life stuff. Yep yep. What uh, what have some of your reflections been so far as you've been doing that? It's been really cool it's the the variety is good Uh, just in general enjoying it a lot it's been um, it's been exciting to see the the stuff that I've kind of been learning about over the last year and a half kind of come to life and see it in the real world. I was going to say, I'm sure it helps to reinforce. Now you, it's not just what you've been seeing in the books. Now you can see it in, in real life person. Right. Yeah. Remember it better that way, hopefully. Yep. I remember um, Andrew and I were married throughout. We got married right after college. So before starting medical school. So we did his two years of med school and then started these clinic rotations. And it was such a fun switch you know just after studying studying four years of undergrad the two years of med school like just like oh this is what I've been studying for yep. and like this I, I do need to know this stuff and all of that and he also I know I believe you started with a psychiatry rotation yeah. and he comes home from his psychiatry rotation he's like maybe I'll be a psychiatrist and then he comes home from his next surgery rotation maybe I'll be a surgeon and yep. then each of these rotations he's like I love this I love this and so uh, landed in family medicine so that worked out really well do it all <laughs> do it all exactly so um, I'm excited for you to be on that journey now where you get to explore all the different specialties and um, the many team members that make medicine happen and help take care of people so right excellent yeah it's been fun yeah excellent well we're glad you're here we have questions um from last week that came in at the very end so we didn't get to answer those last week so we are going to address those this morning and we're happy to answer any other medical questions you may have we're going to go to our first break and give you a chance to give us a call We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Frostbite is a type of injury caused by freezing. It leads to a loss of feeling and color in the areas it affects, usually extremities, such as the nose, ears, cheeks, chin, fingers, and toes. Frostbite can permanently damage the body, and severe cases can lead to amputation. Frostbite should be checked by a health care provider. 
Call 697-9500 to see your provider at the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. As I mentioned before the break, we had a couple questions that came right as we were wrapping up last week with Dr. Evans. Uh, Last week, we focused on um, cancer. So they're both questions related to cancer. So we'll address those um, now, Dr. Ellsworth. So one of the questions was, um, a lady was prescribed a cream for cancer on her nose. It's cresting up as it was supposed to. Should she put some vitamin E or something on it or leave it alone? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, going back and, and more people have probably had stuff frozen on their face here and there before and for the most part you can leave that alone you know it turns red it could blister we're, we're killing that outer layer of skin that might have some precancerous cells or precancerous growth or even a a, 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 a minor a skin cancer on it and so if you've got multiple multiple spots sometimes we'll use this cream that can kill uh, all those spots at once and so it can really show up on the face and 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 peel and and show up in a bunch of areas at once um in general i guess i'd talk to the person who prescribed it for you and so and most of the time with the, that cream it might be a, a dermatologist and so see exactly what they recommend in particular um it's kind of like a newborn baby uh that's peely all over you know they were surrounded by fluid amniotic fluid and then now those first couple weeks their skin can be pretty peely, and we don't really recommend a cream or, or that it's necessary uh, in that case um, because it just, it's just going to peel. Mm. And, and that's probably the case with this, these spots, too. They're, they're just going to peel. Um, if for looks, if you, if you want to put some, some sort of standard cream on there, you certainly could. Um, but um, it, it, it probably, for the most part, just needs to run its course. My dad has had some different skin cancers as a farmer, lots of sun exposure. Um, He's used these creams before. I don't know if there's probably a variety of types of creams, but it is remarkable how, you know, you might see just a little spot uh, maybe on your nose and then you start using this cream and it just like brings it out. And it's remarkable that you can do that with a cream and not have to go to surgery or these other steps right away and how that all works you know in general especially on the face around the lips you know if there's something that's dry or cracked or a sore or you got a cold sore um you know like blistex or carmex or, or something like that or just vaseline you know to help keep it moist so that way every time you open your mouth again it doesn't crack and reopen up several times and and so on other spots on the face you know or on sores sometimes just vaseline is better than using um, an, an antibiotic ointment for too long or neosporin for too long. There's a lot of dermatologists that don't like neosporin because it can um, irritate the skin more mm. and, and make it look worse after a while, actually. It's a little Vaseline. Vaseline, good trick. old Vaseline. Yep. Yeah, it is the season where we, I mean, it's getting a little better out there, but with all this cold weather for the months on end, the, the hands are dry, the face is dry. Good reminder that sometimes just a little lotion or Vaseline yeah. will do the trick with that. Excellent. All right. The other question we had from last week was a man was just told he had a low grade prostate cancer. What can you tell him about that diagnosis? 
Yeah, you know, I guess if you were to pick a, a, a cancer, a low-grade prostate cancer would probably better be better than a lot of other cancers. Mm -hmm. Now, no one wants to be told they have cancer. Right. Um, and, and, and I'm sorry to hear that. Mm -hmm. um, but he has options for treatment, which is nice. And that's something to go over with, with his doctor. Um, and one option is to do nothing. Um, that, especially if you know it's a low-grade uh, prostate cancer, it's very reasonable to watch it and, and watch the PSA, that prostate blood test, that level over time, and maybe in a few years have another biopsy just to make sure it's not progressing much. But sometimes those can last for you know, several years and years and never cause a problem. Now, granted, you could have surgery to remove it, and that's reasonable, but sometimes that can cause problems, certainly impotence or urinary leakage issues or anything, but or maybe a complication from surgery. So there are some risks with doing that. Now, there'd be otherwise uh, maybe a radiation treatment option or, um, uh, you know, they have these seed implant things that do like little radiation treatment to it, too. And maybe that would be an option. And so... Um, he, it could, treatment could range from just watching it and not really doing anything, um, to, uh, to having a full surgery, um, and remove the whole prostate and, and both are quite reasonable options, especially for low grade. Okay. You know, if he was told it was a high grade or aggressive prostate cancer, then he'd probably be more likely wanting to, uh, get, get it, uh, removed entirely. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Lots of options. Yep. This ties in well with your essay this week. You know, it's, I think our natural response when you hear something like cancer, you want to do something, but you're saying with this low-grade cancer, sometimes it's best to not do something and just wait it out. Your essay this week talks differently. When we come to the doctor, maybe with a cold or something, and the doctor says, go home and rest. Yeah. And see what happens. Tell tell yeah. us about your essay this week. Yeah, you know, I we've it, we're in cold and flu season now, and and especially thankfully, COVID's way down. Thank goodness, and uh, and influenza's down. You know, both of them peaked in January here, and so now a lot of times when someone has a cough or or a sore throat, and it's 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 a virus that uh, probably just needs to run its course. Now, granted, sometimes later. Uh, uh, and another infection can set in or a sinus infection or a pneumonia or something. Typically, that'd be more in the kind of the second or longer week of the illness. So especially in that first week of a mild cough or, or you know, or, or sore throat or, you know, and, and stuff. It's, it's a virus that, you know, we want to get our rest, push the fluids, you know, eat healthy, maybe take vitamin C or something, maybe throat lozenges, saltwater gargles you know, um, rest in our voice, maybe a cough syrup, you know, the, there's many over the counter and home remedies that you can try that, that might be helpful. Um, but for the most part, you got to let your body do, do the work and rest and recover and give yourself a best chance at, and thankfully the beauty is the human body can do that most of the time. And that's, and that's amazing. That's awesome. Um, and, and then of course, sometimes we do use antibiotics and, and maybe even 10, 20 years ago, we were more likely to say, yeah, well, what's it going to hurt to do an antibiotic? And they got better. Well, they probably would have gotten better without the antibiotic. But, you know, it's some situations it's obviously appropriate. And antibiotics are amazing. They're a wonderful thing. But even in my 10 years of practice, 
um, out of residency, I have seen a big increase in antibiotic resistance and other complications from antibiotics. And, and so we don't want to use them willy-nilly. We want to help when someone comes in, and, but we don't want to harm. And, uh, and it would be easy to just, okay, well, why don't, why don't we try the antibiotic? And then you're happy, we're happy, we did something. But sometimes it's wiser to not, quote-unquote, do something and let the body do the work. Um, and so that's kind of what that article kind of dived into some. Um, and so, you know, if you feel, but if you aren't getting better, let us know. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and uh, uh, but we don't want. I, I went in the article some of the problems with you know antibiotic resistant condi- conditions or or the bad diarrhea. You know, first just a side effect of diarrhea, but sometimes since uh, we kill off some of the normal bacteria, you can have overgrowth of C cl- clostridioides difficile or C diff, and then that bacteria can cause a really bad diarrhea or colitis, inflammation of the colon, and sometimes that can land people in the hospital or worse. And it can be hard to treat. We treat that with several other antibiotics. And even when it's, you're feeling better, and a year later it can come back again. It can be hard to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Or MRSA, methicillin-resistant staph aureus. We have normal staph and strep bacteria on our skin. And every time you're on an antibiotic, sometimes those an- bacteria could start to become resistant to antibiotics. And then sometimes you get a cut and you get an infection. And now most some antibiotics might not be helpful anymore for that and or uh, an allergic reaction from an antibiotic or um a, a a bad case where the skin starts to bubble up or sloughen and come off and and uh, many organs are affected at once and that can be something we see that can happen to perfectly healthy young people from an antibiotic that can be really scary um and i'm not trying to scare and thankfully most of the time <laughs> you know an antibiotic's going to do what it's supposed to do and everything be fine but there's we do don't want to just use it unless it's necessary because it can cause problems Mm -hmm. and so um and that takes time to talk through that it would be easier to just make sure people are happy and got the antibiotic they came in for but if if your doctor's taking the time to listen to you and then do an exam and look at your vitals and look at your meds and know your history and says, why don't we go home and give this more time? Please consider that 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 might be the best course of action. And if you don't get better, let us know, and maybe then we'll try something. It's really interesting to me that when you when you're sick um, and you have this like cold like symptoms that might go for a couple of weeks, like it's yeah. interesting that it can start as a vi- as a not medical person. It starts as a virus, but then might become bacterial. Is that right? Like it can. Yeah, you know, let's take the sinuses. Yeah. This virus caused you to get a bunch of snot and congestion in there. And so then this moist environment that has even more snot and and mucus than usual becomes like a petri dish where something else can more likely grow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or you've got this snot congestion and so on, and it's going down your throat and it's going down in, into your lungs. And then now can something else more easily grow in your lungs? Okay. And an early antibiotic, use of an antibiotic early on, actually hasn't been shown to prevent a pneumonia. Mm-hmm. It needs to treat it once it's 
if it started. But if you do it ahead of time to prevent it, now it hasn't been shown to really prevent it. And then if one grows, it could be resistant to that antibiotic because it grew up in that condition with that antibiotic already there. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the mentality is, well, why don't I do something now in these first couple of days so that way I don't get pneumonia? Well, unfortunately, it, it just isn't that simple. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I feel like as patients, we kind of need to relearn about antibiotics. Like like you said, it's really shifted in the last, what, 10, 20 years. Like, right. we used to kind of be, oh, yeah, well, let's try the antibiotic. But, you know, uh, growing up on a farm, even in the veterinary world, there's been a definite shift in how um, antibiotics are used with with animals as well, right? So we kind of have to relearn that where maybe for a while we were trained to just go in and get an antibiotic. Now that's not necessarily what's going to happen. Yeah, just might not be the the best solution for what's going on. Yeah, and I'm reflecting on, I had an allergic reaction to amoxicillin as a teenager. I remember we were, uh, I was in high school and I was, I was a drum major for the Laverne High School Marching Band and uh, so much fun those days, but I was apparently sick and had been on an antibiotic for about a week. And it was at the end of the competition where all the drum majors go out for the award ceremony. And I was supposed to stand at attention for like 15 minutes out there in front of everybody. And I was itching so bad. And I was like, oh, there's so many bugs here. Why, why are they all biting right now? And then turns out I get off the field and I have red blotches all over my body. Yeah. And uh, yeah, apparently an allergic reaction to the amoxicillin I had started a week earlier for a cold I had. So speaking of allergies, I haven't asked you about this for a while and I forget how this works. So with that allergic reaction to that amoxicillin, I always put it on my documents, of course. Is that something I perhaps outgrew or is that something It is possible. Should... You know, okay. since, uh, since you were in high school, yep. I'd say maybe it's less likely than if okay. you had gotten a rash when you were you know, one year old. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they say that up to be up to 80% of like amoxicillin, penicillin allergies, especially when they're diagnosed as an infant or baby or child are, you, they, I don't know if outgrowing is the right word, okay. but might not still be an allergy anyway. Yep. Um, and, uh, and sometimes the rash actually was from whatever virus was causing the problem in the first place, but then they started an antibiotic and then, then, then they got a rash and that rash might've been from the virus, but maybe it was from, and now it's on your allergy list. And mm-hmm. now it's an option that can't get used that might be really helpful someday. Right. Um, Cause amoxicillin is still first line for uh, pneumonia in, in, in children period. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for some adults. And, and so it's a really great antibiotic that's less likely to cause various other issues than some other antibiotics. And so, um, so you can get tested to find out if it's a true allergy oh. still or not uh, to, and to know that that might be a good option for you. Okay, good to know. Yeah. All right, well, we'll go to our next break. If you have questions, now is the time to call so we can ask Dr. Ellsworth about those. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. Our programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Influenza has made its appearance. If you have not received a flu shot, get one now. 
Symptoms of influenza are fever, fatigue, cough, runny nose, body aches, and decreased appetite. Generally, influenza makes you feel much worse than the common cold. If you have questions about influenza, call your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697 9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here answering our medical questions, and he's also brought along a med student today, so we're happy to have Hunter here as well. If you have a question, give us a call at 605 692 1430. 605 692 1430. We've been talking uh, before the break some about antibiotics and um, how those can be helpful and sometimes not. Uh, Hunter, I was wondering if you could answer the question, if we're prescribed an antibiotic, it seems like they usually come with instructions to complete the whole prescription. Even if you start to feel better on day two or whatever, you're supposed to keep going till the end. Why is it that we have to keep taking medicine even though we feel better? So yeah, I can try to answer that. Dr. Ellsworth can chime in if I give any misinformation here, but uh, basically kind of the thought process is that if you just take like the two days of the antibiotic and you start feeling better, you should continue taking all of it because you want to really decrease that number of bacteria that are there. Mm -hmm. And you really want to kill off as many as you can Mm -hmm. so that um, if you just took like the two days and you kill off maybe 70% of them, that 30% is more likely to be able to come back and maybe be resistant to that antibiotic or be harder to treat later. So you just want to make sure you take the full course and kill off as many of those bacteria as you can and really reduce the risk of uh, having a resistant strain come out of that. Got it. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, I was wondering about that because it seems like if you do get the antibiotics, sometimes you do feel better pretty quickly. And then it's easy to even just forget to take your medicine because you're feeling well, right? So have to set that reminder on your phone to ding at you and be like, oh, yeah, I need to take my medicine. So um, that's why. Thank you for answering that question, Hunter. This week uh, on Prairie Doc Radio, we will not have a live television show. Uh, We are off this week from SDPB Television. But we are going to rerun our farm health and safety show from earlier this year on our Facebook page. So you can tune in Thursday night on our Prairie Doc Facebook page to watch that show. Dr. Ellsworth, I wanted to reflect on that show. There was some great information in that farm health and safety show. One of the things we learned about was farmer's lung. Tell us more about farmer's lung. Yeah, I learned about farmer's lung too. <laughs> yeah. That's something that is probably more common than we uh, than we realize because uh, it's kind of an uh, indolent, like slow, gradual thing that can kind of cause you know shortness of breath and uh, a, a mild cough. And you know, there's a lot of possibilities with that with those symptoms. But uh, you know, especially if you're in ag. And uh, that should be a consideration, um, particularly if you deal with, you know, like um, bales of hay uh, and, and, and indoor feeding of cattle, um, especially right now. This time of year uh, was when it's seen the most in like April, March, April um, from when, when things are thawing and, and getting kind of more moist 
and a little warmer in that 40 to 60 degree range is, is apparently when it's kind of brought on more. Now, there's a different type of lung condition that is kind of from a lot of exposure all at once, maybe all in one day from mold and such. And so this is different than that the type of mold exposure where it causes fevers and, and a chills and muscle aches and like a f- influenza type uh, picture all at once in one day. And that's something to get treated and evaluated for too. But, um, you know, if you've had these respiratory mild cough, shortness of breath, and you can't get it figured out, um, it might be, it's, a, it's called a hypersensitivity pneumonitis, where it's inflammation in the lungs, but it's not really from an infection per se, uh, more kind of a body's reaction to uh, this exposure of, of, of things that get into the lungs. And so it might be something where you see a, a pulmonologist, a lung doctor. And so we had a nice visit about that from um, a pulmonologist from Watertown, mm-hmm. Dr. Sven. Yeah. Yeah, so if you missed that television show, a lot of really great information about farm safety and farm health on that show. So that will be on our Facebook page Thursday night if you want to tune in for that. Well, we're going to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. And when we return, we have a question to address. Thank you for listening, and we will return following this informative message from Avera Medical Group Brookings. Tobacco can lead to tobacco, nicotine dependence, and serious health problems. Quitting smoking has immediate as well as long-term benefits for you and your loved ones. Make the decision to be smoke-free. Stopping smoking is associated with many health benefits. If you smoke, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. That's 784-8669. Or call the Avera Medical Group Brookings, for help to quit smoking today, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. Uh, give us a call at 605-692-1430. We had a question from a woman who has a fast pulse, maybe in the 130s. She's had it for months. Her doc told her to take another Metropola, she thinks, which is for blood pressure, but it hasn't helped. Any ideas? Should she go see the heart doctor? Yeah, you know, if she already has one that she's seen regularly, that'd certainly be a, a good option. Or talking to her primary care provider. Um, one thirties is too fast. Um, now, if 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 someone has known irregular heart rhythm or atrial fibrillation, um, metoprolol increase in the metoprolol would be a a good step to take because that medication is used for heart rhythm to slow it some it slows the heart some and so she might need more of that um it's used for more than just blood pressure um it can help with the blood pressure too and that's why we want to be careful it doesn't cause too low a blood pressure but here the goal would be for rhythm control to bring it down now you or i or any of us if we go exercising too much or our pulse is going to go up into the 130s, and that's okay. But if your resting pulse is staying in the 130s, um, then, then okay, is it an irregular heart rhythm, or why, why is it fast, and how often is this happening? And sometimes we'll do a Holter monitor or a Zeo patch or some sort of event monitor w- that you wear for a period of 24, 48 to a week to two weeks to a month to see how often 
you're having um, your heart rate go fast and, and is it irregular or is it a regular rhythm or what's going on and maybe get an EKG when you're in the office and uh, looking into the possible causes. And so with this particular case, I don't know how much has been done already and if she's already got a heart doctor, great. If she doesn't, talking to the, your primary care provider, maybe getting one of these event monitors and, and looking into the possible causes. What are some of the risks if our pulse is staying at that higher level? The heart needs to refill with blood between beats. And so if it's too fast, it can't refill as well, so it can't pump as effectively. And so that would be one issue with okay. having too fast of a pulse. Okay, gotcha. All right. Well, we are just about done for today. Uh, we thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Uh, before we go, we did want to mention uh, there will not be a Prairie Doc television program this week on STPB, but you can see the Encore episode on the farm health and safety on Facebook on Thursday night at 7 p.m. Central. During the show, Prairie Doc host Andrew Ellsworth discusses the mental and physical health concerns of farm life with PA Carl Olke with Avera Medical Group University Psychiatry Associates in Sioux Falls and Dr. Jason Wickersham with Avera St. Benedict Certified Rural Health Clinic in Parkston, South Dakota and Dr. Sven Sienier with Prairie Lakes Healthcare System in Watertown. So you can find that show being streamed on the Prairie Doc Facebook page Thursday night at 7 o'clock Central. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Andrew Ellsworth for joining us today and we'd also like to thank Hunter for joining us in the studio today and joining in our conversation. It's always great to hear from the medical students and what they are doing as well. So thank you for listening today and as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there people. <laughs>